just a little wind in the sails. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have the feel that you need that. It has been a busy couple of weeks. Ain't it, sweetie? Whew. It's been a busy month. I visited more people this month and drove more miles in February than I have since I've been pastor. And yet, somehow, I've been able to do two messages on Sunday. That's all by the grace of God. Amen? Remember what I told you about grace this morning, right? It's by the grace of God that we're able to serve Him. And so, we're going to go a little deeper tonight. I finished up this morning. Some of this stuff you may hear again. It is very difficult to have all this stuff in your head and keep it separated. You follow the leading of the Spirit. He puts it there. He knows what he wants out when he wants it out. Amen? That's what we do, right? It's not my service. It's his service. And so, tonight we're moving into the next section and we're going to be talking about sin's power. How many of you know sin has power? Good answer. You've been paying attention. No more than what you give it. So we're going to talk about that tonight. We're not going to be able to finish this, so it's going to feel like you're getting at the middle of a message. I don't know. God may have something planned. But we're going to get to the end of it, and we're really in the middle of it because there's more to do. We're going to pick it up next Sunday morning. Pray for our brothers and sisters that's not getting this tonight. Because next Sunday morning, it's going to be like a half a sandwich. You asked for mayo on it, they didn't give you mayo. You just got the bread. So we need the whole thing. And so pray that folks will, it'll burn within their hearts to go seek this out. I fear that in this world that we're living in today, people just ain't seeking no more. Right? Boss man says he's going to give you a big raise if you perform this, perform this, perform this. There's going to be light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Well, you do it with anticipation. But we have grown so weak. You know what I've been talking about for two months? We have grown so weak that we don't even seek out what God has for us. You either, A, haven't seen this series as anything that you need, if that's the case, therefore you don't seek more. I'm good to go. I'm not casting stones at nobody that's not here. All I'm saying is, is, is it the devil that's kept them away from receiving the truth, receiving the light? What has pulled them away? Is it the different things? I don't get to be the judge. That's what God does. Amen? You don't get to be the judge. That's what God does. And when we see that, we're supposed to be so strong spiritually that we can start praying and say, you know what, this brother is, or sister is facing something, and I see the signs, and I'm going to start praying for them because the enemy is hot on their trail, and he is getting them because they let him. And we've been learning that. We make the choice. And so that's what we're praying for. So we're going to talk tonight about sin's power. If you don't know about sin's power, then how in the world are you going to combat it? The president has all kinds of people sitting in a situation room, and that's what they look at around the world. What situations are there? What's the military capability? What are reaction times? What do we need to do? They come up with plans, and that's all that they do. The guys in the Situation Room, they don't worry about the economy. No, this is their job. They're the warriors. 
Brothers and sisters, we are the warriors in the church of God. We're the warriors. And so we best know the tactics of the enemy. Otherwise, we'll get called unawares. So we started out this morning, and we read in Genesis 4, 7, says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? That's God talking to Cain just before he kills his brothers. It's because he's jealous. God liked his brother's offering more than his. And he says, if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. See, this is true for every human being. Every one of us sitting here tonight, sin wants to enslave us and control us. It is a deceitful, seductive, and powerful foe. See it for what it is. And it plays in certain ways. We're going to try to uncover some of that tonight. But notice God says, if you do well. He's talking about a genuine obedience. Genuine repentance. And if we have that, that will slam the door shut on sin. See, even if you crack that door and the devil starts coming in, sin tries, if you get to the place that's called repentance, turning and going the other way, if we get to the place that we have the genuine repentance, the genuine obedience to God, and you're going to understand what I'm talking about here in a minute. The door slams. And sin don't get to come in no more. Okay? That's how we combat it. Did you get that part? Because you got to have that part. you got to slam the door on it. Romans 6 and, 6, 6, 6 and 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, that you are that one's slaves whom you obey, I'm trying to do it without glasses, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. You see, the person who believes in Jesus is one with God and possesses his divine nature. You remember about the second or third message we did in this, we talked about having his nature. You see, if we, if we have Jesus, if we would believe on him, see, believing that most people say, well, I believe in Jesus, but then... When it comes down to understanding, knowing the word, and applying the word, the, it, your body, it, your actions is telling something different. You see, we have to believe on Jesus. We have to know who he is in order to possess his divine nature. If we have his divine nature, then the preaching has an anointing that's going to reach people. Not everybody's going to get it. But the preaching is going to be for those who believe to grow even stronger. You see, that, that's what his divine nature is. If we lay hands on someone for healing, if it, is the God, if it is God's will, then and only then will they be raised up. I believe tonight, you tell me if you do or not. If you don't, we'll pray. Seriously, I'm, I, seriously, if you don't believe this, I believe tonight that Buddy Milton could walk out of the hospital tomorrow. I seen him yesterday. Buddy ain't looking good. If the Lord don't step in, I don't think he's going to be with us long. But I believe tonight that the power of God can touch that man and he could walk out of the hospital tomorrow and he could actually have some new toes. That should excite us if we believe that. 
I believe that. And I also believe that God may say he's dying on Thursday. He don't have to be in the hospital. He don't have to be sick. And still his day comes when God calls him. Because he is in control, amen? But do we believe in the divine power of God? Wow, I do, I do. And folks, we can choose to obey our inner person, which is our spirit, or we can choose to obey our outer person, which is the flesh. You see, God's grace is the empowering force that not only saves and forgives us, but it strengthens us to obey. I read you this scripture this morning. Hebrews 12 and 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We're in a place tonight in this world that godly fear is not anything. Even sometimes among believers, we have to have reverence for God. We have to have grace. See, that's what grace has taken us to. That's what the Word says. Don't it? let us have grace. By which? By what? By grace. We may serve God acceptably. You understand that? Grace is an empowering force, really, is what He's showing us. So why is it that so many Christians... Unsuccessfully master sin. You see, if we fail to use the power God has given us, we won't benefit from it. God gives us the ability to choose, and He will not override our choices. So, do we believe? If we choose not to believe, God won't override our override us of our choices. See, when a believer chooses to disobey God, sin gets the upper hand. And this can only happen if sin is the one that convinces the believer that following it is better than following God. And folks, if you don't believe in God, it's going to win every time. Because you're not afraid of Him. We don't believe in hell. Oh, I believe in hell, really? You do believe in hell? How does this happen? I told you this morning about, you know, we can get to the place. But sin doesn't have power over us. The world's saying, oh, we're just covered by grace. Hmm. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 56, it says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is the law. What in the world does that mean? I want you to listen to these statements I'm about to make here, okay? See if you can catch it. I shouldn't watch this movie because it contains nudity and swearing. I need to tithe. I shouldn't look at that woman across the room who's wearing revealing clothing. See, a person that is saying these things is someone who is restricted by the Word of God. You understand that? Rather than it being their delight to serve Him, they are restricted by the Word of God. Did you see that? I need. I shouldn't. 
You understand? I shouldn't. Not I won't. I shouldn't. Or I need to do this. Not I will do this. And that's where it lies. And see, whenever, they, whenever we say these things, we're looking to feed ourselves. You see, the person that says that, they see God's word as constraining or binding. Look at these following verses, Psalm 40 and 8. 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. Do you hear that? I delight to do your will. I want to do your will. I want to be close to you, Jesus. I want to be in church. I want to, not I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. See, that's falling under the, the power of sin right there. Because it's God's law and you feel like you're compelled to do it as opposed to desiring to do it. See, remember, sin comes in by the desires. In John 7 and 17, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Now that's talking about Jesus, but look at this little nugget in here. Wills to do his will. Do we want to do his will? Do we want to have that relationship? And you see, the person under this law doesn't passionately will to do his will. What they are saying is I would like to, but God says otherwise. I would like to watch that movie that has this, but God says otherwise. So as opposed to it being something that we say, well, you know, I'm not going to. Well, I shouldn't. There, you understand the difference I'm trying to show you tonight. That's the power of sin. That's the subtlety. You remember when, when Satan was in the garden, he was very subtle. So I got Eve to question what God had to say. He was very subtle with it and got to the place of just, smoothing it in there. So play, listen to our words as we speak. All of us, all of us, listen to what we say. It, it reveals what sits in our heart many times. You see, whenever we get to this place and have this kind of a message or a warning or guidance like this series has been, when something like that is preached, People who sit up here in this place of living under the law, having the power of the law over, having the power of sin over them, and their catch-all is grace gets me through it. They're the very ones, folks, that feel like they've been beaten up. How are you beaten up if a warning is given to you? That's a guilty conscience, right? Accuse me all day long of robbing the bank up in Bedford, Danny, and you get, get to get over it because... You're not going to beat me up with it. I didn't do it. You understand? So you see, that's, that's the kind of thing that we look at. And you see that, that they want to live how they want. They want to use grace as the crutch. Others, on the other hand, use it to judge. And both of those, I told you this morning, both of those to the extreme are totally in direct opposite of one another. Live how you want. And the other one is to beat you up with it, and they are both wrong. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking, hey, get out of here. Go eat that plant. It takes us to the place, you see, whenever we want to do God's will. Let's look at a fellow in the Bible. We'll go to Numbers chapter 22. We're going to be there for a bit. We'll hit some other scriptures, I think. But it's about Balaam. Everybody remember Balaam? 
Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit. He was a prophet who, who knew God's voice. And there's a king of Moab by the name of Balak. Now, Balak knows that the Israelites are coming. And those people have, have already heard what happened in Egypt. The most powerful nation in the world had these people enslaved. And man, when they came out, the Egyptian economy was wrecked. All their crops were gone and destroyed. The firstborn of everybody in the town, all the Egyptians, was miraculously dead. Not only that, they kind of like lured, or God did really, but they saw it as these Israelites lured out the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's army and led them into the ocean, which, by the way, was miraculously opened up. There are three million people going across, kicking up dust on the bottom of the, of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army takes off after them, and what happens? The waters close, drown them, so that whole country was demolished and destroyed in a matter of a couple of days. So Balak is like, hey, these dudes are coming, and they did some things with the Amorites, and uh, Balaam, I need you to come over here, because I've heard that if you will curse somebody, they will be cursed. If you bless somebody, they will be blessed. I need you to come on over here, because I need you to curse these Israelites so that my people can win against them because they're going to wipe us out. Now that's what the whole gist of this is. But let's go to verse 6 in chapter 22 of Numbers. And said, Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed and whom you curse is cursed. So Balak, he sends a group of ambassadors, if you will, to go over and talk to him and say, hey, I need you to come over here because I'm needing you to curse these people. But now let's look at Balaam's response in verse 8. And he said to them, lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. Now that is capital letters in my Bible and that means we're talking about Elohim. When those people wrote that, he was really talking to God. It wasn't a false God he was talking about. He was talking to God. That's who he was referring to. Otherwise, it'd be a little G or a little Lord or a little L. <laughs> when he speaks to me, so the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Now let's look at God's response in verse 9. Then God came to Balaam and said, now look at that. God came to him. He didn't even have to really go do any praying. It was already in his heart. He was, I'm going to go talk to God about this. But the Lord came to him and said, Who are these men with you? Now folks, in essence, what he is saying is, These guys have no covenant with me. I have no relationship with them. Are you seriously, Balaam, going to ask me this? Are you seriously going to ask me if you should curse my people? Folks, why in the world do you even need to pray about that? But yet that's what he did. You see, there are some things that we don't need to pray about. They're already revealed in God's word, folks. Do we need to pray about whether or not to gather with other Christians? Hebrews 10 and 25, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and 
so much the more as you see the day approaching, capital D. The day, when's that? That's the day of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know tonight, look around you, the day of the Lord is getting close. The stops have all been pulled out. The devil is throwing every weapon that he's got, trying to trip up God's people and stop the church. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Hang in there. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Hang in there. We don't need to pray. And I've talked to some people like that. Y'all want to come back to church? Well, we're praying about it. Are you going anywhere? No, we're just praying about it. Friend, what are you praying about? God's will is already there. He says get together with each other. There's nothing to pray about. And we're going to learn through this. Be careful. We got to know the word. We got to know the word. Because God's got, he'll take you somewhere. Do you need to pray about giving an offering to those who minister? Now I'm going to read this out of the NIV. It's 1 Corinthians 9.14. Because it puts something there. It says the same thing, but it's worded a little bit differently. It says, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. I don't apologize for receiving a salary. I thank God for the salary. But according to the word, you shouldn't have to pray as to whether or not you should stick an offering in for Ken on Sunday. Or pay your tithes. You see, it doesn't matter whether Ken's acting how you think he should. It's Ken acting how God thinks he should. That's the difference. And when you hold back your tithes, when you hold back those things, you're actually cheating God. Because if God stuck me here to do this, God's going to make the way. Can I get an amen? Don't have to pray about it. It's in the Word. And you can't talk yourself out of it. Do we need to ask... If you can enter in or encourage someone to enter into a homosexual relationship. You see that perverted grace thing is the reason we got gay leaders of churches. And I'm not talking about pastors and local. I'm talking about guys that's setting up like where Brother Clements is. That's the reason that that's there is because, well, okay, I'm covered. Is that right? I don't have to pray about that. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. This is God talking to us. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what you, I don't care how many times you've been baptized at the pool, how many times you've come to the altar and get saved. If we have these things going on in our lives, you will not receive. And it's not to beat anyone up. It is a warning. Now, wind was blowing hard this week, right? Trees were blowing down and everything. Would you not have liked for somebody to have called you on that big sniff, stiff neck curve that you got to go around and you're usually running late and running 50 mile an hour when you should be running 20 that a tree is down around it? Wouldn't you like to have that warning? Don't drive fast. Don't you tell me what to do. I'm giving you a warning. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
It's the warning, and that's what's happening here. You see, I don't need to pray about cheating on my taxes. That's stealing. I don't need to pray about whether or not to sleep, or you don't need to. I've already got a wife, but you don't need to pray about whether or not to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend or move in with them. That's sexual immorality. You don't have to pray about that. Well, we're praying about it. Why? The Word of God says don't. Why you got to pray? Well, we're living together and God told us, oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I don't care how you dress it up and how you want to make it look. I don't care how rich the preacher is in his own TV or whatever. No, he didn't. God didn't tell you that because in the book it says no. It says don't do it. Do I, now this one would apply to me, do I need to pray about whether I should have a relationship with another man's wife? No, because it's adultery. I have a wife. That's my woman. God set it up. We're together. And he said it's for life. I'm okay with that. You guys are newlyweds. Y'all still good with that? It's for life. All right, Bobby, we'll be talking later afterwards. Gonna be up here and pray and pour a whole jug of oil over your head. But see, God is saying to Balaam, buddy, since you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to make it real clear for you. You didn't get it. More accurately, he didn't want to get it. You see, the devil knew something. In verse 12, God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. He went ahead and prayed anyway. He should have known. But God said, since you didn't get it, since you didn't want to get it, I'm going to give you the an answer. And the answer is, don't go. Stay put. But let's look at Balaam's response in verse 13. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Y'all catch that? Did you catch it? He didn't go with them. I mean, he did right, right? Eh, he didn't do exactly right. He didn't say, I know God's will and therefore I won't go. He's saying, God won't let me go. And if God won't let you go, then you had to want it to go in the first place. You see the play on the words there? That's how God reads our heart and knows our heart. He said, I, 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 I can't go. You see, he is restrained by God's will from what he really wants or desires. You see, that'd be like Megan coming home tonight and saying, you know, Daddy, when, tonight when we get in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to Bonnie's and hang out. We're going to have a bonfire and cook some hot dogs and stuff like that. And Me and Sweetie said, but Pete, we're going to have family night together. Let's say Bonnie and Jason pulls up knocks on the door and Megan goes and says yeah you guys uh, it's family night I can't go did you hear that it's family night I can't go what she's saying in, the, in reality is I want to go but my can't my parents word now is the law over me do you see the picture I'm trying to paint here tonight do you desire to have God's will that's what Balaam did he said I can't go. God won't let me. 
I could just see him just so pitiful. Y'all go on back, boys. I, I can't go. God won't let me. He's refused. See, he didn't like God's response. How many times have we gone through our Christian walk? I raised my hand like a million times because I didn't like God's response. And that's a bad place to get because I'm going to tell you, you'll walk on a road that is not comfortable. You'll walk in a bad place. But let's look. There's even a sweeter deal coming. In verse 16, And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse this people for me. His guys went back and said, he ain't coming. He says, okay, I'm pulling out the stops. I'm taking out the, the second string. I'm putting in the first string. And by the way, guys, tell him I'll give him anything he wants. Now, if my neighbor gave me that, it doesn't mean a whole lot because he don't have a lot more than me. But Donald Trump said that. Now you got something. This is a king, by the way. That's a pretty sweet deal, isn't it? Oh, that is very sweet. Very sweet deal. You see, people will use a term called the devil made me do it. Have you ever heard of that? Flip Wilson back in the 60s and 70s. Y'all remember him? I was a little boy, but I remember Flip Wilson. They made fun of you. Well, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Folks, the devil cannot make a believer do anything. He can't make you do anything. Look at James chapter 1 verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Did you see that? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. All the devil can do to you is entice you. That's it. We can't blame him. And folks, you won't be enticed to go for something if you don't desire it. Right? Could I talk you into going to the liquor store and getting a couple of gallons of, of moonshine? Anybody? Any takers? Don't Just don't raise your hand because you're sitting in church. God already knows our hearts. You see, you don't have that in you, and I couldn't give you a billion dollars to go do it, could I? Please say no. Okay. Because you don't have a desire to do that. Could I, however, talk you into maybe going out to the lake tonight and fishing all night? I mean, let's just leave now. Let's just stop the service and take off. Boat is gassed up. We got hot dogs and steaks. Might, might be able to entice some people with that. See, there's been a lot of enticement going on because the Word of God was coming in tonight. Look who showed up. Not beating nobody up, but what enticed you not to come and receive? What enticed them not to come and receive? And I know this, folks. I've walked on this road before. I know. He can only entice you for something that you desire. And he's clever, folks. He studies you. He knows what's going to trip you up. And he's going to come back using the same thing. That's what he did with Balaam. He knew Balaam had this weakness for richness. He wanted, he wanted to be rich and he wanted to be famous. So he sweetened the deal. Let's look at what Balaam said in verse 18. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me the house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. He didn't say I will not. He said I could not. His desire is about his will and not God's will. I couldn't do it. 
But check this out in verse 19. Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Is this guy stupid or what? Think about it. Done been to him twice and done said no. I mean, what's he, what's he thinking about? Is a better deal going to make God give in? Or better still, was God making him hold out so he would get a better deal? Have you ever heard that phrase before? Oh, God really helped me out with that deal, really? Maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't, but here he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking, but he is really wrapped up into it. You see, God made it clear to him the first time that he prayed, don't go. No need to go any further. He should have sent them boys home, but he didn't. Now let's look at God's response in verse 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, and rise, you, uh, call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that shall you do. What in the world just happened? God changed his mind. Is that what happened? Has God done lost all of his marbles? Maybe God did want that better deal. What just happened? So Balaam, he saddles up his donkey. He takes off with these fellas. He now has God's permission. Or does he? Verse 22. And I'm only going to read one part of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. Balaam was doing exactly what God had now told him to do, and now God's mad at him. Have y'all got any clue about what's going on here? This is very relevant for you and me today. You can go against God's will and ask for it enough, and this is proof. It will give you permission. And then all of a sudden, whoo, it's about God's will. I'm doing God's will. And six months, eight months later, you're sitting in a place of affliction so bad you've never been there before in your life. Why did God do that? He let you go because you was going to do it anyway. You see, we're going to finish this up next week. We don't have time tonight, and it's already 10 after 7. See, folks, this is a message of hope. You can be completely, completely free from the power of sin. It is possible for Christians to rise above it. Don't let people tell you, well, we're all sinners and I'm just a sinner, that's how I am. No, 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 that's a lie. That's a lie. That's the enticement of the devil. That's the enticement of the things that we desire to have. It says, oh, well, you can this one. I asked this morning the question, you know, is it okay to have unforgiveness in your heart? No, it's not. If grace is covering us on everything, if we want to go out bar hopping or whatever, if we want to use foul language, if grace is covering us because, you know, I'm only human, then you tell me, where does it stop covering you? Why did God give us the entire book of James which is written to believers who could be led to a place called death. Where does it stop? You see, that's whenever we make the idol of a God and we decide 
points right. See, I can even preach in our church, a Pentecostal church, on Romans chapter 1 and spend time on those four or five verses that's talking about homosexuality and get everybody aroused in here. Whoa, yes, amen, want to throw it out there, yeah! Start talking about the backbiters and it gets quiet. People start sinking in their seat. It's all the same stuff. Well, we don't believe in this grace thing. Well, then how come that's not a problem? How come that's not a problem for you? You see, that's what the devil does. He entices us with the desires that we want. And it takes away from the church. It makes us in the place that where we are weak. And that's why we're not seeing these major things happen. These major moves of God happen because we have gotten weak. And God's not going to give up. God's not just going to say, oh, well, they're close. We need to have the power of God back in our churches so that people are getting saved. We need to have the power of God back in our churches so that when somebody is falling and stumbling and dealing with junk, that they can be set free. That's what this is about. This is not about beating anybody up. This is about showing the way of truth. That's what this is about. This is about that we have that power. This is about that when we show up in the hospital that people get healed. This is about that when we take the bottle of oil and we pour it over somebody's head that there's no power in this but the power is in God. It's in the Bible, folks. It's in the Bible. We need to believe it. We need to be excited about it because it can happen. We've got to understand and know what the power of sin is. Well, I want to do this, but I can't. Friend, you're not sold out to Jesus. And don't think for a minute that there's going to be blessing coming because He will not bless us in our junk. He will not bless us in our junk. You've came back out on a Sunday night not knowing what you was going to hear to pray. You came back out on a Sunday night, gave your evening up to pray. And we got people sitting in our midst tonight with loved ones who are in the hospital. And if God don't touch them, they won't get better. We got people sitting in our midst tonight who need a touch tonight to be lifted up, to be delivered. Is it God's will that a healing would happen tonight? Is it God's will that deliverance will happen tonight? I believe that it is. But we have to face that stuff that entices us. Otherwise, we end up like this fella. What's it going to take, a donkey talking to us? I've heard people call me some bad things before. Maybe I could be the donkey. That's where we're going next week. Keep reading up on this so you'll know Sunday morning where we're headed.